Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives Podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we've got a really interesting perspective. It's about your product. In B2B marketers, we think a lot about our product, product marketing, but what's the product before the product? We're going to talk about that because there's something that gets us into the conversation so that we get to the point where we actually can talk about our product, our tech, right? And what we're selling. What is that product before the product? And we have on today, James Furbish. And James is VP of Marketing in Access One. James, you've been in everything from craft beers to health tech, right, in your career. But you started out in journalism, and you've got a really interesting perspective on content that we want to get into here. But go ahead and maybe expand a little bit first on your background so we can get to know you just a little bit better. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me on. Um... Yeah, as you said, I'm the vice president of marketing at Access One. We're a healthcare fintech company, so we um, help hospitals and health systems uh, help their patients be able to afford uh, care and pay for it. Um, and I started my marketing career at Athena Health. They're a you know billion dollar health tech behemoth at this point. Um, and that's sort of where I cut my marketing teeth. Um, and as you mentioned before that, I was a journalist. Um, and so I've always sort of been in content. I think I started my marketing career um, as a content marketer. Um, it's, content is something that I care deeply about uh, as a former journalist. Um, and I think, you know, it's something that obviously a lot of companies need to do well and, and don't. Um, and I, and I think part of that is because uh, to what you said, um, which is a lot of companies don't think about content as a product in and of itself. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I think um, that is something that I care care deeply about, and I think a lot of companies would do well to to start thinking of their content uh, as a product in and of itself, and I think. If they did, um, they would probably have a lot better content um, as a differentiator in their marketing efforts. So thanks and, for having me on and glad to be here to talk about this. Yeah, because, I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Because nobody wants to talk to you. In the, in the day and age where, I think Gartner put out the stat, that B2B buyers are 83% of the way through their research, putting together you know, what's important, what their shortlist is before they ever want to talk to anybody inside the company. So before you get a chance to talk about your company's products, you need content to get earlier in that buyer's process, right? To get on, make sure you get on that short list. And thought leadership does that. It expands what their B2B buyers are willing to purchase with you. It expands the fact that if you weren't on the short list, it can get you onto the short list. It does tremendous things. So content really is becoming this day and age in this kind of like, oh, we're, we're trending towards a self-B2B buying process, self-serve process. Content is just becoming more and more important. If that's the case, then I like the, your notion of kind of thinking about content as a deliverable from the company, as a product from the company, because that's what's going to get you into those conversations. So I'm wondering, what is your, this, this interesting, this journalism background, 
How does that apply to a B2B marketer in the way that we should be thinking about our content? Yeah, so I have a unique perspective in that like healthcare deals are often very, very long. Um, it is not uncommon in, in, you know, certainly when I was at Athena Health and certainly now at, at Access One, it, you know, if someone can get a deal closed in eight to 12 months, that is like lightning quick in our industry. So because of that, you have to have a plan to, to your point, like keep people engaged, prospects engaged, right? For often a very long time. Um, and when they are ready to buy, yeah, a lot of times they have already done the homework because, you know, these deals do take a long time. Um, so they're um, often by the time they, they even come to you, um, they, they've done their homework about, you know, your company versus another company. They um, come, you know, I don't want to say they come ready to buy, but they, they do come with a lot of that sort of research in hand. Um, and, and so... The thing is, you need to have high quality content uh, in order to engage them. You have to have good emails. You have to go, have just good differentiated content. And and that doesn't mean you have to be a media company, right? I think you hear this a lot of uh, from the group speak uh, on LinkedIn, which is like, if you're in B2B, you've got to become a media company. And I don't think like you necessarily have to be... Uh, be a media company. But what I do think you have to have is, is a plan for delivering a, lots of high quality content um, over and over again. And, and when I say your content is your product, I think when you think about it as your product, when you think about how you put a lot of care into the information you are putting out, how you're delivering that information, um, I think it, it does change the way in which you approach the um, the sort of creation of that of that content um, versus hey I'm just going to do this sort of like thirty keyword stuffed article in the hopes that like Google will pick it up and someone will find my company. I think the way in which you sort of create content, how you think about how you create content, has changed, and and if you think about it from that perspective um yeah you, you start to sort of move more into toward the high quality content um how do we do multimedia content how do we distribute it on a ton of different channels and have that sort of message resonate um in a lot of different mediums um it, it does sort of change how you go about um thinking about how you're going to kind of create that content um in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And when, you know, when you mentioned kind of like the evolution of, of journalism and marketing and content, first thing I thought of was, okay, that, that means higher quality, right? I mean, when I think about journalism, I think about professionals writing content yeah. that, that, you know, helps to educate me, um, maybe entertain me. Right. But what is your perspective on journalism and why there needs to be an evolution of journalism in marketing is it go beyond quality or is there another dynamic to that an element to that 
Yeah, I mean, I, so yes, I I think it's not just about quality. When I when I say quality, um, like I, I think one of the things that journalists understand, media companies understand, is that you know they are. So when your content is your product, you have to build trust with your audience, right? You have to have, um, you, you have to, to, to some degree have, uh, content articles with a POV. You have content that involves your audience, right? So you think about like any, um, Oftentimes those articles have sources, right? They, they have like vetted people in the industry who are interviewed um, for their expertise on a certain given topic. Um, and, and so it, it's not just about higher quality, but it's, it's the way in which you produce content. It's the way in which um, that content is fact-checked um, for its relevancy, for um, for the information that it's being put out into the world. So, so there's a lot of things behind the scenes that, that happen as a result of um, how that content is created um, that builds trust, that builds credibility. Yes, like entertains as well um, to a degree. But I think also how that content, the information that's being put out um, yeah, I, I think there's certain things that journalism and media publications do that, you know, marketing companies, uh, you know, they're starting to dip their toes in it. But I think it's about more than just, um, you know, let's put out a whole bunch of content and, and act like a streaming platform or, or try to entertain. Like, I, I do think, um, at least in, in my in healthcare, particularly, um, there's a lot going on, and I and I think that there's a lot that goes into creating a piece of content that sort of builds that trust and affinity with your audience. Um, and so that's what I sort of mean by you know quality and and that. Um, yeah, I think here's a big takeaway that I just I heard there, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm. I'm kind of a news junkie, you know, yeah. watch the CNNs, the MSNBCs of the world, right? And something that's happening, they'll bring on their panel of experts and they'll all discuss it, yes. right? So one of the things about journalism is bring, bringing together for us all these different perspectives, right? And when you said that, you, you know, what it made me think about is like what we're doing right here, right in this podcast, right? You know, for every B2B company, there is an unlimited number of experts with different perspectives, different points of views that literally we can have discussions like we're having right here, right? And then our audience gets to listen into. But we're the brand bringing those conversations in, and they can certainly support, you know, the, the, the position, the point of view that we have in the marketplace, right? But it can also expand beyond that. Like that's one of the things that's beautiful about product um, content as product is yes, it has to have a, a, a connection back to what you actually do as a company. Right. But 
if it fits the bill of educating our customers, right? Giving them a different point of view, a different way to think about their jobs and how to accomplish it, especially if it's by the community of their peers, right? Because now it's a bunch of people we're having discussions with that are, you know, in the mold of our customers, and we're bringing that to them in our prospects, right? We're helping them because we're giving a voice to how others in the industry are tackling the problems, solving it, solutions they're using, innovative ways that they're, they're going at that. So what you, when you said in journalism, one of the big things that happens is you interview people, you bring in important perspectives, right? CNN doesn't own all the perspectives in the world, right? But they have a good platform they've created. You as a company don't have to be the subject matter expert of everything that's going on in your industry, but you can be the conduit to it, right? Does yeah. that? Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think, you know, far better to look, I mean, your buyer, our buyer, my buyer, our buyers don't, I don't think, maybe it's, it's, it's changing somewhat, but like, they don't want to necessarily hear from a brand, right? About, um, uh, my, my product can increase X by Y percent and blah, blah, blah. I think, I think like most people are kind of wise to that. Um, and I think when you approach your content as a, as a conduit, as a, as a, your brand is bringing different conversations to happen um, for your, you know, your buyer. Um, yeah, you become a little bit more trusted, right? You become the place that um, can provide um, a different perspective and how they approach their job. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it does, it brings something different to the table. Um, in a way that um, your buyer makes it more receptive to sort of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, look, if 97% of people are not in market and buying, um, right. you got to give them a way to engage with your brand. Right. And, and so like, you know, quality content, interviews, podcasts, that whole that that whole sort of approach to content, I think, gives people a, a reason to engage with your brand in a way that is a lot more meaningful and deep than, um, again, like here is this bad blog post that's based on some keywords uh, that we think is going to offer you know something uh, to the to the market. Whereas, like, Look, if you're just talking to your your buyer and, and you're having conversations with them, um, you are treating them like they are a uh, an, an expert and treating them like they are the uh, the featured guest on uh, on CNN, for instance. Um, that is going to carry more weight um, in the engine. It's going to make them feel more flattered to share that content to. Um, to engage with your brand in a way that um, they wouldn't otherwise. I mean, you just you just hit on a really, I think, important subject matter, right? Which is inviting your clients onto your podcast, especially the ones that are the biggest priorities for cross-sell and upsell. I mean, everybody, 
when we're in charge of marketing, that means that we're revenue focused, right? And so we have to figure out how at the end of the day are we getting, we're being judged on creating increased revenues for the company. So the one of the biggest sources is existing customers. So, you know, customer marketing is a big deal. And if you can bring on, to your point, a customer onto your podcast and give them this platform, you know, that says, hey, your insights, your knowledge is important for the rest of the folks like you in the ICP, right? Your community, you're doing something pretty tremendous for them. And, and they always appreciate it, right? And that just creates a different dynamic in the relationship, you know? And, um, but it gets you a chance in that long ABM sales process that you're talking about, right? If you're cross-selling, upselling, or bringing on prospects, right? And you're in this long sales process. Well, how do I lift up? How do we create a new dynamic around that relationship in that eight to 12 or 15 or 18 months? How do I keep staying in touch with them? Because all that content that you create and all the derivations of it and how it gets dribbled out and you tag them and all of a sudden you're staying in relationship with them for something you did that they really highly valued for them. It has nothing to do with your product, but it has everything about the relationship, right? And as long as you're in conversations with them, there's always the conversations before and after the podcast. And, you know, the important thing is you're actually on the phone with them. You're on a Zoom call. You're video. You know, you're, you have an opportunity to do quite a bit. That, that kind of reframes the boundaries of this product before the product, right? It's not just about content for the demand gen machine right, in the ad campaigns and everything, in the email newsletters, it's about actually creating a stronger relationship. ABM sales is about relationships. So I think what you touched on there is, is, is brilliant, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, should be underscored because I think we, we sell ourselves short if we're trying to do interviews, podcasts like this, just to create good content, right? I think it's also about like learning too. Um, you have a chance to learn uh, from your customer or buyer in a way that is about them and their job and not about you and what you're trying to sell them. And, and I think that that's a very important distinction to make because journalists, right, when you are on a beat, when you are uh, covering an, an industry, you're constantly in search of, of learning and sharing what you learn back out into the world. And in a way that, right, is largely agenda free. Now you can have an agenda attached to it, but by and large, um, the, the act of being a journalist is the act of learning and sharing those learnings back out into the world. And when you do that um, as a brand, um, you, right, when, when it's not sales motivated, you actually learn that, you know, you might only be a small portion of your customer's world. From a, from a, from a product standpoint and from a selling standpoint, what you do and, and the thing that you sell to help make their world better might actually not be like you're not they're 100 of your world but they're not you're not 100 of their world 
because their job encompasses so much more than just what your product does. But so when you are doing the high quality content, you're learning from them, you're interviewing them, uh, you're actually getting uh, much more greater intel about their world and how you fit into it um, and, and what they care about. And, and they might care about six other things that your product doesn't do, but, but you have the opportunity to sort of learn and, and sort of then bring that back out into the world um, from a marketing, from a, a sales perspective. It's like, hey, actually, like, here's how our, here's how our customer and here's how our buyer, like, these are the things that they care about. These are the things that they that's are occupying their minds right now. Like, let's use that in our outreach. Let's use that in our marketing. Let's use that in our content um, to have much more relevant and, and smart conversations with them. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, when we talk about like the very basic premise, right? Like the product before the product use content, give me an understanding because we've been talking a lot about that how it gets used, how it can be created. But I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pin you to a very specific rating, right? If I were just to say, hey, James, in your career, your estimation, how important content is at the overall growth and success of the business? One, on a scale of one to 10. One, it's not important at all. 10, it's vital to the growth and success of the business. How would you rate that? Uh, selfishly, I want to say it's a 10. Uh, um, I mean, look, I, and, but I would say, you know, look, it's a probably solid eight, right? It's, it's because it's involved in every facet of your go-to-market. At least for me, from a sales-led, I've always been in a sales-led motion right for the most part um and so maybe it's different if you're in a product-led company where you can just get people to sign up and start using your product but even then right if you're um getting someone to go from the free tier to the paid tier like you're probably right. using a, a nurture sequence and emails right and onboarding to get people into that sort of value um so for me um in sort of that sort of sales-led motion, you're constantly, right? Sales has to show up in a way that is not just like, buy my product, buy my products. It's like, how do you show up on someone's radar and be on someone's radar in a way that is meaningful and not spammy and not obnoxious and offering content, different pieces of content, different value, um, showing up and offering value every single day. Like that is content. <laughs> And, and so like that, that is, um, for me, I give it an eight. I want to say it's a 10. I'm a hard grader. Um, but I do think that content in some shape or form, it, it permeates everything that you do from a, from a sales and marketing perspective. And so it's enormously valuable. It's, it's probably a 1500 out of 10, right? Like you, you can't actually almost put a greater value on it because um, it, it, it is like, this is going to be a bad analogy, 
but it almost is like, you know, concrete or water, right? It's, it's like, it's like a substance that you can easily take for granted that like is, uh, in every facet, like you can't build buildings without concrete and you can't, you know, build skyscrapers and you can't. Um, so I do think that it, it's easy to take it for granted, um, but it is uh, so fundamental to everything that you're trying to do. I mean, you just said in there that, you know, you have to add value on a regular basis, right? So that's what content does. You know, it adds value into the relationship on a regular basis. And it was interesting. I, I we're doing a series that says, you know, what do B2B CEOs want from their CMOs? So I talked to a very, very intelligent gentleman. He's the CEO currently of two international companies, a former CMO. And he said, what I want from my CMO, I want them to add value to my company. So to me, that's the very basis of what we're talking about. When you talk about content is the product before the product, the product is the value in our company, right? That's the way we kind of think about it. So when you liken content to being a product, you liken it to have that level of value, right? So therefore, I mean, I've been in plenty of, plenty of situations. I did a lot of fractional CMO work where companies would just be like, what can we just, Steve, what can we just kind of churn out? We don't want to bother sales. We don't want to talk to them. We're like, you know, just what we have, we can just kind of do right now. Right. And what you're saying is you've got a process to fill, right? You're, you're procedure driven. And what can we just get in there? Right. Because I know I have a cycle of, of how much content I need to be producing with in regard to the fact that you wouldn't say that to your, to your chief product officer, right? What are some features we can just roll out so we can promote it? Like, can we just do that? Come on. You know, let's not bug anything. Let's just kind of get some stuff going, well, you know? No. You wouldn't I, do that. You would, and I think that the the chief product officer would obviously feel well within their right to to say no, right? Like, no, we're not just going to like roll out these bad features. And I think like that's the interesting thing about like marketing in general too is that like you should say no, like no, we're not just going to like roll out this crappy content. No, we're not just going to uh, not treat this with the respect that it deserves. Um, and I, and I wish like more, more people would, um, cause I think that that's the difference in, in some ways it's the difference between good marketing and bad marketing, especially in like B2B, um, where, um, you know, you're just like, man, I, and you get it, you see it when you're like, man, I'm, I see this email and I've gotten the same email from this company, like yeah. 15 times in a row. And you're like, this, this is not a good email. Yeah. And like, I, I, sometimes I want to like write back and be like, please just stop. But can you like come up with a new one or like you've sent me the same email like four times, like just like be better. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that wholeheartedly that like you don't just roll out features in a product for the sake of, of doing it. You shouldn't roll out content for the sake of hitting some keywords or trying to, um, you know, just because we have to publish a certain thing or we have to send emails. It's, it's, I think the best marketing is intentionally um, trying to solve a business problem. And, right. and you, you use content as a product to do that, certainly. Right. Well, I think we've made a lot of really good points. 
But if there was like a single takeaway, you say, okay, out of everything that we've covered, what's the most important thing that you think people should be remembering and taking away from this podcast? I mean, I think if you are thinking about your content as the product before the product, if you're thinking about your content as a product in and of itself that could stand on its own, that would build an audience and develop an audience and have a following and, you know, turn people into fans of your company before they even buy your product, or even if they're never going to buy your product in general, um, then you need to treat it with the respect and care that it deserves. You need to treat it, um, like you would, like a media company would, right? That you're not just slapping some stuff out onto a web page. That it's like it's researched, it's edited, it's right. It it sort of passes the muster of, um, you know, the standard might not be like, would this be something the New York Times would would publish? But you're at least working to to get close to something, right? Where it's like it's. It's been fact-checked, it's been vetted, it's been gone through all the hoops that it, it should. Um, and so I think it's just, it's just treating that content with the sort of respect and care that it deserves. Um, and that is, I think, ultimately the point that I, I think, if, if there's one takeaway, it's that your content shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be kind of the first thought. I like that as a single, that's a very succinct, it shouldn't be, say it again, it shouldn't be. Oh, it shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be the first thought. There you go. I love that. James, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that a prominent quote on our, on our podcast, because I think that is a really, really good. We do things so quickly just to kind of get the marketing tactics and the machine, keep it rolling, right? That things become an afterthought. Um, yeah. If somebody had a follow-up question for you, would uh, posting a link on the podcast to the episode here to your LinkedIn profile, would that be a good idea? Yeah, LinkedIn, probably definitely. Uh, my DMs are always open. I pretty much accept every connection request. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn, probably the best and easiest way to, to, to find me for sure. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Steve, thanks so much for having me. This is great. We'll have to do it again soon.